welcome to a little something extra with me, Nancy Gianni, and my daughter, Gigi, and Marco too. And Thanks for the warm welcoming, Gigi. Why are you always so unenthusiastic about me joining this show? Huh? It's as soon as I came on as executive producer that actually joins the show sometimes, it's like I stole your spotlight. Well, what she's trying to tell you is that your name is not on the sign. Well, maybe we should put it on the sign <laughs> so I can actually get a warm welcoming from you. So a little something extra is not just a podcast, it's a video podcast. So make sure that you tune in to see us, not only hear us, but see us, because that's part of the fun. Yes, we are both audio and video, so make sure that you go to YouTube and go to the Gigi's Playhouse channel where you can find all of our video podcast episodes in our library. Awesome. Yes. This episode, we are joined by an incredible guest who is changing the life for individuals with Down syndrome. He is helping them stay healthy. He is taking care of them from their adolescence all the way through their adulthood, isn't he, Gigi? Yes. And I wonder how they're all staying healthy. How do we stay healthy? We do a gout. We work out. Yep. And, and I do um, low sugar and low carbs. And a low sugar, low carb diet. So that helps us stay healthy, right? Right. So we like to work out as a family. We like to work out all the time. And sometimes we like yeah. to cheat on our diets a little bit. We but do. We do. But that mm-hmm. makes us happy. So yeah. a healthy lifestyle also means you need to be happy. And sometimes you have to cheat to be happy. Right. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so why don't we get into our Generation G moment with Franco Gianni? So all month long, as you know, it's Down Syndrome Awareness Month, or as we like to call Down Syndrome Acceptance Month. So I'm going to mm-hmm. keep plugging this incredible campaign that we have going on. So what we want everyone to be doing around the whole world is joining us mm-hmm. in taking the Generation G pledge. So in order to do that, you go to IAccepTYou.org, and there'll be an option to take the pledge. So you'll take the pledge, and what that means is that you're promising to be accepting, generous, and kind every single day to everyone that is out there, regardless of diagnosis, race, sexual orientation, gender, skin color, anything. So that is what we want. We want everyone out there supporting one another and and accepting and loving our differences in one another. So what does that mean to take the pledge? So you take the pledge, you start living that lifestyle, but then how are we gonna spread the word? Well, the website has all the tools that you might need in order to actually spread it, whether you wanna spread it on social media, whether you wanna spread it in your community, whether you wanna spread it at work, whether you wanna spread it at your school. We have all the resources so you could bring this amazing campaign and this amazing cause into these places in order to spread the message to create a more accepting world for all. So this Gen G moment is me telling you all out there to live that Gen G lifestyle so we can then find more people to then spotlight for this show, for these Gen G moments, because we love seeing all the change that you all make in this world. That How about is that? awesome. That was like, did you see me? I was like just frozen. So that was a drop the mic moment because I, mm-hmm. I was speechless. <laughs> and IAcceptYou.org is just an amazing place to stop and learn. You will be given every kind of tool you need to spread love and acceptance around the world, not only in, in your communities or your churches or your schools, but in your business. We have a pretty spectacular guest today. Uh, I want to introduce Dr. Brian Shacoin. He is the medical director of the Adult Down Syndrome Center in Park Ridge, Illinois. He is the co-founder of this center, which serves and documents the health and psychosocial needs of over 6,000 teens and adults with Down syndrome since its founding in 1992. So he's been doing this about 30 years now. He's also the co-author of two books, Mental Wellness of Adults with Down Syndrome and The Guide to Good Health for Teens with Down Syndrome. So let's give a warm welcoming for Dr. Brian Shacoin. Thank you so much for having me today. I sure appreciate you 
inviting me to be here today. Oh my gosh, I are you kidding me? So when Gigi was born, so she was born in what, 2002, you had been open almost 10 years. You guys opened 1992, the Adult Down Syndrome Clinic? Correct. Correct. So almost 10 years, and like, even though she was just like, my beautiful little baby, Man. I didn't know what her whole life was gonna be, but I knew that there was this place for her when she was older. And I have to tell you, what a gift from God to be able to know that we have something like that, that we have a resource like that right here in Chicago. I mean, I know you serve people from all over, but I just have to tell you, as a parent, I'm just so beyond grateful for everything that you have done for you as a person to open up your heart specifically to Down syndrome. You know, there's many paths that all of us can take for any different reason, and I, I'm just really excited to talk more about that, what led you on this journey. You are not only a doctor, you're an <laughs> author, you're a marathon runner. I remember that when you were doing the Chicago marathons. Don't know if you're still doing that, but that was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> doing so much, brother. And I'm just so grateful that you're here today. And I know Gigi has a question she wants to ask you. I do. She does. So look right at him and ask him. I have Down syndrome. Oh, what does that mean? So what does that mean? So we were thinking this might be a great time for our viewers to understand a little bit more about Down syndrome and for Gigi. Yeah. Okay. Down syndrome is a is a condition in which um, individuals uh, are born with uh, an extra chromosome, extra twenty first chromosome, um, and and then because of that, there are some certain um, conditions or symptoms that tend to be more common um and uh but you know what that that means uh, just what that means by itself there's a lot we don't know and, and a lot how uh, people can learn and how people can participate in activities and people can be healthy uh is something that uh um you know is something we're continuing to learn about and, and, and we want to encourage people with down syndrome to, to live the, the healthiest life that they can awesome what it and, and it's related to what he was talking about because we don't there's so much we don't know. Would you say that like Down syndrome is kind of I don't want to necessarily say a spectrum, but like there's so much potential that there's not even like a ceiling on it. Like it all depends on the way the that individual they, and yeah the health what that, they're exposed to exactly exposure right. and and the and the resources that they have and the way that they feed and work their bodies. I mean, would you say that it's kind of like a open book? So, you know, I think that, you know, I, I think we get asked, you know, by oftentimes by families that are, um, you know, prenatal, get asked questions, you know, what what's my son or daughter going to be like? And and I say, you know, I, the only really piece of information we know for sure at the moment uh, that you've shared with me is that the, that the, the, the you know, preborn baby has an extra chromosome. You know, what that's going to mean and, and how that person's going to be there's a lot of factors that are going to go into that uh, ultimately and how uh, you know what the health of that individual is going to be so there's a lot of the, the there's clearly a, a genetics piece um, but there's also a lot of other factors that go into that so I think you know the, the genetics piece at this point we can't alter um, but I, I think that you know we can do everything we can to optimize and and uh, I think we probably have not seen uh, at this point um, you know, the, I, I, well, let me phrase it in a different way. I think we are continuing to see on a regular basis people with Down syndrome doing things that we never thought that they could do before. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, is there a ceiling? 
I haven't seen it yet. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it just keeps, you know, the world keeps expanding. And I, I think there's several issues with that. I think, you know, the aspect that we contribute to or have interest in it is the health issue, but there's the education issue. There's mm-hmm. the, you know, so many other issues that go into that. Um, and, and then there's, you know, it maybe doesn't get as recognized as much. There's the expectation issue um, and, and whether the, uh, you know, the person is, uh, you know, suppressed in their ability yeah. to, to advance because we have no expectations for them. And I think that's a huge. I think that's issue. a huge one too, Brian. Like, are they able to thrive? Are they, are they in the environment where they can thrive? Do people think they can thrive? I think that that's right. such a big piece. And, and you know, me as, as, do people believe in them? You know, that's right. such a big piece. How long have you worked with people with Down syndrome? The clinic opened in, in 1992. Uh, but when I was a resident in the, in the mid-1980s, I took care of some people with uh, Down syndrome in, mm-hmm. in, in my practice in our residency. And then in the late 80s, when I was in practice, uh, I took care of a number of people with Down syndrome when I was practicing in a smaller community in the northwest corner of Illinois. What was the catalyst for change? What made you say, wait, this is a population I want to work with? So I I had a great uncle that had Down syndrome, although that's not what they called it. He was born in 1907. But really the the, the driving force was when I went to practice uh, in uh, Northwest corner of Illinois, Freeport, um, uh, I two 16-bed residential facilities open for adults, and I became their medical director, and I cared for those 32 individuals. Uh, uh, Many, but not all of them, had Down syndrome. Um, and then when I came back to join the faculty of the residency, family medicine residency here at Lutheran General in, in uh, 1991, that was about the time uh, the uh, National Association for Down Syndrome, which was our local parent group, it was our, yeah. one of the local parent groups, asked the hospital to start a clinic for adults with Down syndrome. And, and it ended up on the chairman of family medicine's desk, if you will. And, and uh, I was uh, the newest faculty member with the least on my plate, but also the most interested in uh, <laughs> And doing for it, so you know, I think it was, uh, you know, it was it was meant to be, wow. and um, and so uh, you know, we took it on and we started two mornings a month, and it just took off. That's great. And uh, you know, now it's very full time. We've seen over six thousand adolescents and adults with Down syndrome. We have about seven thousand patient encounters a year. That's awesome. Um, That's amazing. So- how what do you, how much has it changed over those thirty years? Like, what have you the changes in the people you saw back then? to now and what advancements, what have you seen, um, you know, what's changing? Um, I don't know how long this podcast is, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot. Um, Well, that's good news. To to try to, you know, drum it down into two or three things. I'd say the first thing is um, there's so much more we know about caring for people with Down syndrome than we knew then. Yeah. Honestly, we knew. I, I joke that I got five minutes of training and caring for uh, adults with Down syndrome in medical school, and that's a five-minute exaggeration. Uh, honestly, I can't remember anyone ever talking about Down syndrome adult, you know, p- adults with Down syndrome in, in, in medical school. Um, and so, when we started the clinic, you know, we went to the literature to find things, and, and I would, there was very little, and I would say at least half of it was wrong. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, um, it, you know, so just how much we know compared to then is is uh, it's huge um i think the constant in all that though i, I think the the interest in learning and and the uh, uh willingness to listen to families and, and people with down syndrome has been you know the driving you know one of the driving forces behind the clinic from the whole from the start and, and it continues to be 
And so really, you know, we're so grateful that families and people with Down syndrome were willing to teach us. Yeah. Um, and we learned and we learned so much. So, so I think that's one thing. Um, I think the second thing is that, you know, really when we started the clinic, healthcare was something we did for people with Down syndrome. And I think that we really have shifted over the years that really try to make it something that we do with people with Down syndrome or support them in doing it for themselves. Awesome. Um, and I think that's uh, you know, a huge, a huge piece of what we're trying to do now. Um, you know, clearly there are some individuals, unfortunately, that you know, really cannot have a huge participation in their own health care. But I think for most, it's not a question of if, it's a question of how mm-hmm. you know, we can support them in, in, in doing you know, what, what they need to do to be healthy. So you know, I think that those are probably you know, the two biggest um, issues. You know, certainly, you know, when I graduated from medical school, the life expectancy in 1984, the life expectancy of people with Down syndrome was only 28. And so That's now it's something. about 60. And so I mean, that would be clearly the, the big, third big piece. Right. And so, um, you know, really there was not uh, a large adult population back in the 70s and early 80s. And, and now, there, now there is, thankfully. And, and uh, so now there's not only responsibility, but opportunity to learn on how we can help people live uh, healthier lives. That's so awesome. It's so interesting. What, what would you tell a family today? Like what kind of advice would you give a family at different levels? So what would, you know, for a baby, what would you say? And then what would you say for an adolescent? Yeah, I mean, I, this is certainly not my, uh, I can't take you know, credit for this, but I, I love the concept of, you know, it, the, the child is a, is a baby first mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, not Down syndrome first. Uh, I, th- I think that's, you know, we, we talk about um, person first language. And I, I think that's not just a, a language issue. I think that's a philosophy and I think that's really important. Um, I think, you know, so I think, you know, I love the, again, I can't take credit for it, but I love the, the you know, the phrase, take, take your child home and love them, mm-hmm. uh, which I think obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but you know, <laughs> that, you know, that I, I clearly, my guess is that's not the message my great, great grandmother got. Uh, oh my goodness. I can't, can't even imagine back then. hundred plus years ago. Um, the fact that they took, took Leo home at all was pretty amazing. But, right. Uh, um, so I'm sure that's not the message they got. Um, so I think that, you know, I think that's the main thing. And, and I think, you know, uh, I, I think the other thing is, I, um, you know, let your child be a child. I think mm-hmm. that would be the next next step. I think, you know, the therapies are important and all those things are important. But, you know, kids need to have fun and they need, we need to help them be, let them be children. Uh, I love the families that say, you know, we really just tried to treat them like any of the other kids. Um, yes. You know, uh, obviously each... You know, whether they have Down syndrome or not, each child is unique. So, that, you know, each, you, know, you have to approach each child a little differently no matter who they are. But, uh, right. you know, I think that there's a lot of important, you know, a lot of truth to that and a lot of importance in that. Um, and I think, as we, you know, if, as people become, you know, more capable of taking care of themselves, is fo- trying to foster that as much as possible. Yeah. And, and really helping people be, you know, our, our folks be, you know, people with Down syndrome be, um, the leaders in their own healthcare as much as, much as they possibly can. More independent than that. I, that one, I, I love that. And I agree with that 150%. I remember one thing that you said when Jeej was little that really stuck with me. I, I, I can't remember. You were speaking somewhere. It might have been at one of the um, NDSC conferences. or Actually, I think you were speaking at Gigi's this time. We were talking and, and somebody had asked, what is the most important therapy I should give my baby? You know, Gigi was little at that time. And, and hopefully your answer is still the same. I'll tell you what you said back then and we'll see. <laughs> or what I remember. You, you said that 
speech therapy was the number one, that physical therapy you were going to be getting, you know, that you guys were still going to go to the park and you would be moving their muscles and moving their bodies. But that speech was such an important piece. And, and I tell this to people every single day at our playhouses everywhere that I think that that's such a, it's such an important piece because it's the most complex and there's so much more that goes into that. Is that something you still feel today? I just remember you saying that, and it has stuck with me. I continue to tell people that to, to this day, a new parent would come in. That would be my first thing that I would talk to them about. I talked to them about when you were here and some of the things that you told us. So that's what I wonder if you even realized, too, is that that, that the mentor, you know, the teacher in you, that when you talk to us as parents, we're Okay, Dr. Shacoin said it, so that's the way it is, and we're passing that on. And you've just been such a tremendous gift in that way. So I just want to make sure you knew that. But is it still speech therapy? Is that what you would say to the younger parents? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, I would maybe modify it to say communication therapy because we do have some folks that unfortunately Agreed. just are not going to be able to speak for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so communication therapy, you know, I, I think we're, you know, we're clearly social beings, and, I, and we're, we are learning so much about, you know, even in elderly people, with or without Down syndrome, that the impact of not being able to hear and not being able to communicate with people, how that impacts us in so many ways. Um, and I'll never forget when I was a kid, one of our, one of my classmates, father, one of my classmates was a, in those days, they were eye, ear, nose and throat doctors. Oh, really? And, uh, and uh, that goes back a ways. And, uh, uh, and I'll never forget, it stuck with me all these years. Um, he said, you know, he asked his patients, if you had a choice of being blind or deaf, um, you know, his, he said his patients would say, um, you know, being blind uh, or being deaf is more challenging because it really does uh, impact the ability to be social with other people. Um, and so, again, I, you know, I think the speech and, and hearing are so, so important. I mean, not the vision is not important. And, right. and certainly people find their way around all sorts of, you know, challenges. Right. Um, but, I, but I think the, you know, that one is one, you know, again, that was in the 1960s. So, you know, the ability to work around that was a little different, but you know, I think that's such an important thing that, uh, you know, that being able to communicate and participate in life and, you know, even just from a healthcare standpoint, be able to share your symptoms and, and you know, express what, you, you know, what is hurting or bothering you is so important. So um, important. And, you know, not, and folks that can't do that, that, that certainly make, um, and not that this is all about me, but it certainly makes my day more challenging right. for those that can't to try to you know, to sort through what's, what's the, what are the issues? Well, yeah, I re like when Gigi started school and she would come home and, you know, she would have a scratch or a mark on her and just look at me and cry and tell, but, but she couldn't tell me how it happened. Yeah. And there, there's no, I mean, like the most hopeless or helpless feeling is knowing that there is pain or somebody hurt her and, and that she couldn't communicate it to me. So, I mean, speech to me or, and communication, I, I, I like that you call it communication therapy because I, I do feel like a new parent of a three-month-old doesn't speech. They don't start talking until later. She doesn't need that or he doesn't need that now. Well, no, it's communication skills and communication begins at birth with them getting their needs out. They're going to cry when they, you know, it, it, eye contact. There's so many different ways to communicate. I really like that idea of calling communication therapy as opposed to just speech therapy. Yeah, and I, I you know, to think back with, with Dr. Butler, I can still see him saying it, but anyway, <laughs> what he's, you know, said way back then is, it, you know, I, I think the key now is that we do have ways to uh, work around some of these things. And so, you know, communication therapy is so important in so many, you know, whatever that means, you know, yeah. whether it's speech or whatever, um, but whatever way we can help people communicate is so important. Oh, yeah. And one of the questions that I have, and it's, and it, uh, I mean, it definitely is when it comes to, even when we're doing like LMNOP, when we're teaching the little five-month-olds how to do sign language and things like that. But when it comes to um, adults that might be, 
either nonverbal have ha or have trouble with speech, is there ways to be able to still develop, in, at least that you that you might know of, in ways to be able to develop their speech and their in their ability to be able to communicate, or is it more difficult at that point? Well, I, I think the, the challenge with uh, trying to help people with adults improve their speech. Well, let me let me let me go back. Yes, we've seen people, adults, with, uh, improve their speech, so it, it is possible. The challenge is to say that it's been done on a large population. Unfortunately, it's very hard to find uh, first off speech therapists that will, you know, have the skill to work with adults, yeah. and secondly, find um, insurance providers that will pay for it. So yeah. I don't think we really have a large population of individuals, adults that have gotten, and certainly that's the, the beauty of a place like Gigi's that provides that service. Um, but I, I think on a, on a whole, um, there just really has not been that much opportunity for adults to improve their speech. But I, I do think it, you clearly see folks, uh, adults with Down syndrome, that can't improve their speech. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And, seen it. and whether, and if they can't improve their speech, uh, certainly the ability to improve their communication. You know, we're big proponents of, of visual uh, aids of whatever that, whatever that means. You know, I, I carry my phone around with me all day long and I'm looking at it and constantly having visual reminders and, and visual assistance with, with my day. And I, I think, um, we see a lot of our folks that uh, our patients that uh, are people with Down syndrome that, uh, you know, that, that was used when they're children, but it's not used when they're adults, you know, because they, they've outgrown it is sort of the sense. Mm -hmm. But our sense is that none of us really outgrow it, um, mm -hmm. whether you have, Down, you have Down syndrome or not. You know, it's such an important piece to help us uh, get through our day. And, uh, and so we really do see a lot of people be able to, um, even if they can't express themselves, at least be able to understand what people are trying to share with them um, visually is so important. So important. Yeah. I think that's one of the things. That's how we do a lot of the teaching here at Gigi's. I mean, it's all we, very we've visual. learned that individuals with Thompson are very visual learners. So, yeah, it's definitely a big component for sure. Do you only help adults or do you help the kids too? So we, we start at age 12. So we... Mm. Um, so I don't know if a 12-year-old would consider themselves a kid, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least but they, their don't. Mom uh, they don't. They're not, yeah. um, oh, so uh, we don't see the real little ones. Um, you know, that, that those needs are different. Uh, yeah. Pretty different than what we do. So at, at times people ask, well, why don't you just see them, you're your family physician, why don't you see them from birth to, to adult? Um, those needs are, are significantly different than what we provide. So we don't. We don't see the real little ones, but we started twelve. Oh, that's great! I don't. I was thinking it was fourteen, but that's awesome because I have people who ask, and there is common commonalities between our kids and 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 things that a, a regular family physician might not know. So that's great to know. At twelve years old, I'll make sure we get that get that out there to our families because that's pretty amazing. How many families have you served? You guys have served. I mean. Isn't it like six thousand families or something? We've we we've served over six thousand adolescents and adults with Down syndrome over the over the years. That's awesome. What is your favorite part about Down syndrome? Well, that's that's a very easy answer, and that's the people with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Each individual with Down syndrome is unique, and and is their own personal self. So, um, you know, yes, there are some commonalities, um, but uh, as soon as you get, st you know, get too focused on the commonalities, you, you miss the uh, uniqueness mm -hmm. of each individual. So uh, I, I think that uh, I would say uh, probably the my most favorite aspect is that everyone is unique. Mm, good answer. Mm -hmm. My favorite parts about Down syndrome is um, the empathy that they that every yeah. single 
individual with Down syndrome has, I feel like that's just such a huge characteristic of Down syndrome, um, is their ability to love unconditionally. And, uh, and I bring that up because um, I was reading, I think it was a blog that you might have wrote or some, some article um, that you talked about, um, the Empathy Radar. Right. Um, and and yeah, can, that, can you touch on ahead, that a little bit? Can you touch on, the, uh, on what that is a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. That, you know, that, uh, Dr. Dr. McGuire, our former social worker, and I have talked a lot about this over the course of time. Uh, and he, he tells the story, and I you know, take a moment or two, so forgive me, because <laughs> it's not too long. But, uh, so um, the parents, uh, the mom and dad, and, and the, the young person with Down syndrome, the students were at a parent-teacher student night. Uh, and they're meeting with the teacher, and and um, um, as the you know the, as it goes on, the the, the student, the, the young person with Down syndrome, says suddenly to the teacher, "Are you okay?" And and the, the parents are like, "Well, he, he's he's really not kind of getting the purpose of this this evening." <laughs> no, he's really they're kind of embarrassed. It's, he's kind of missing the boat, and, and the teacher starts to cry, and 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 then they're oh boy, now he's really now we're really embarrassed. Now what is he done? And and the, and I may not remember all the details exactly right, but the, the gist of the story is is that the teacher said, uh, "My good friend at uh, home, she had, you know lived someplace else when she was a child. My good friend from home uh, passed away this week, and and I was uh, I'm, as soon as this is over, I'm gonna I'm getting on a plane to fly home to the to the funeral, and I haven't told anyone because I didn't think there was any way in the world I would get through get through this this uh, uh. these you know, series of uh, interactions this evening." And um, uh, but your your son, uh, I'm like the stories that son or daughter, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Your your son, uh, um, you know, picked up on that and and asked me how I was doing, and and the whole rest of the conference, if you will, was was to discuss his uh, his sense of feelings, his sense of getting in touch with other people's feelings as well. So we we labeled that empathy radar. That, that, that again, it's a generality and everyone's unique, but you know mm-hmm. it. It, there, it's a pretty common generality that pe- many people with Down syndrome really are in touch with other people's feelings. feelings. So frequently people will say, um, you know, Aunt Jenny is sick, or grandma's ill or whatever. And, but we haven't told them because, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to save his feelings. I said, I said, you may as well tell him because he's going to know. He pretty much knows. <laughs> he it, probably right? already knows. He, yeah. Um, it, it, even if you've been talking on it on the phone, three rooms away, he's probably heard you. But if, if not, he's, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's picked up on your feed. So he may not know the specifics, but he knows that something's not something's right. Up. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I just love that when I saw that, because I mean, I've been very exposed, I mean, over the course of the last 17 years, and then over the course of just working at GG's too, and especially working with adults with Down syndrome um, in hugs and mugs. And it's just something that I've always noticed that if either I was, had, something was up with me, or there was just someone there, they were immediately just receptive to that. Yeah. And and just wanting to move in and making sure that it in some way they can brighten your day, um, if they knew something was to, like upsetting you or yeah. if they knew something was wrong, right. and yep. yeah, and and, and it, like you said, it's 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 a general it's it's a generalization, but at the same time, it's it's common. So yeah, yeah I really absolutely responded to that. That's I, I think we all feel that with with. Well, Jeej is a pro at it. I know that. <laughs> what do you know? What's some of the stuff? I, and I know Franco. I don't know that you've been to the Adult Down Syndrome Clinic. It's awesome. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about it? About the resources, what goes on over there, and you know, fill us in. Sure. 
So um, it, it certainly, it, it's, the clinic has grown and evolved over time. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the building we have now really does allow us to do a lot more things. So if you walk in, uh, you know, the first, first glance is it looks like a, well, it looks like a little house on the outside, but yeah. it, on the inside, you know, a lot of, a lot of it looks like a, you know, physician's office. Um, you know, we have exam rooms and that kind of stuff and, and typical healthcare kind of things happen here. Uh, you know, we do take histories and do physical exams and, and, um, uh, you know, um, give immunizations and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and so that part, but the, the other piece is that we really, um, uh, you know, we really understand the interaction between mental and physical health. That's not unique to people with Down syndrome. That's true for all of us, but it's, it's certainly, it's, um, we think it's probably a, a more important issue in people with Down syndrome. Some of it, you know, to go back to the concept, we talked about the speech therapy and the, and the challenges of not being able to speak. We do see that that does create, um, physical pain or social pain or whatever, when people can't express it, uh, does sometimes get expressed in with behavioral changes um, or psychological changes. So it really does, you're really kind of looking at the whole person. So, um, uh, you know, again, to, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the generosity of Mike and Linda Masalem. Uh, we've been out without a psychologist for a while. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, this is part of what they're able, what they've done is a lot, you know, we're, looking we haven't found one yet but uh, we're looking to, to hire a psychologist um because we know that that's such an important piece of what we do to be able to provide that multidisciplinary um you know you know again i, I can tell you literally thousands of stories that people presented with a behavioral change that ended up you know if you, if you just put on the psychiatric cat um you you know you might have treated with medications but it, you know really it was thyroid or sleep apnea or an ingrown toenail, or, right. you know, so, so many things that, um, you know, that, that, that you want to make sure you're addressing. And so really looking, diving in and looking to see, you know, how that's all related. And then the other piece, you know, we're very fortunate, um, again, through philanthropy, um, a number of years ago, um, a family uh, in their will left us some funds that allowed us to hire uh, Dr. Frank, Dr. Katie Frank, who's an occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, in, in a way, I kind of look at it as a, a in my simple mind, a three ring, a three legged stool with medical, you know, physical, uh, a mental, uh, and then functional. Sure. Um, and so Dr. Frank really does help us, you know, whether the person has a mental, uh, physical issue or a mental health issue or whatever, um, you know, a decrease in function is a common component of that. And so really, uh, you know, getting people back on their feet, so to speak. Uh, is so important and she does so much of that for for our patients oh, awesome. so um you know really is the multidisciplinary piece you know frankly uh, as a family physician i i think that this would be nice in every family every, physician's right body, i frankly. was thinking the same thing um, um you know because these again these problems are not unique to people with down syndrome but there are unique twists mm -hmm. uh, certainly in, in, in our patients that uh, uh, that we have become familiar with over time um I learned something new every day, though, so that I oh, certainly I don't pretend that I have all the answers. <laughs> what about now? The it, it just and, and hearing you talk about um, hiring that psychologist, I'm wondering through COVID, and what your patients are coming back to you now, and 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 how you weathered that storm and continue to weather that storm. Yeah, I mean, clearly there's huge negative things going on with COVID, and we, you know, I don't need to. <laughs> you all know those. Um, I think some of the upside to, to, to COVID has been the opportunity to do um, telehealth, mm -hmm. um, sure. particularly for particularly around the mental. You know, it's it's obviously very difficult to do a physical exam 
through a Zoom visit. But uh, uh, you know, certainly with uh, mental health, uh, I think it's really been a, a real plus for us, and I, and I really do hope that it'll continue going forward. Um, you know, so I can see people more regularly. You know, people that come, you know, um, hundreds of miles, uh, I can see them. That's awesome. Uh, you know, regularly on on the um, via Zoom or whatever, and. Uh, um, uh, and stay in touch with them. I think that's, you know, that's, and being able to see the, you know, it's much better than a phone call because I can see that uh, I'm, I'm as visual as my patients. And right. Patients. I am too. I <laughs> I'm am a visual too. person. Um, so to be able to see them, you know, is so meaningful to me um, in, in, in what we're trying to do. So I, I think that, you know, I think that's uh, been an issue, you know, been a, been a huge plus. I, I think, you know, honestly, we, um, I have been both uh, pleasantly surprised and, and appreciative of the resiliency of families and individuals with Down syndrome who have gotten through this. Uh, many of them uh, doing better during the pandemic than they were before the pandemic, uh, you know, from a, both a physical health and mental health standpoint. Um, but that, you know, that's certainly not to, to negate the challenges that this has been for sure. a lot of individuals and, and certainly some of the um, mental health issues that have arisen as part of this and the physical, I mean, you know, like the rest of us trying to not spend all our time in the kitchen. Eating, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's certainly been an issue for, you know, individuals yeah. with Down syndrome and their families as well. So, yeah, but I, again, you know, it's not all bad news. I, mean, I think some families have been, I've had patients that really got very involved in exercise programs and healthy eating and have lost a lot of weight. Um, and we've had, you know, individuals that uh, have done great with the Zoom meetings and things like that. Um, and, and and really connected with other people and, and connected with people around the world that they never would have connected with yes. um, prior. And some of the groups that we, you know, we do here, the, uh, Dr. Frank and, and um, Laura are doing here, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, it was, it was local people that were coming to that. Uh, but this has allowed people from much farther away, uh, even other countries to participate. So, yeah. um, you know, so I think we've learned a lot, and, and I think we have a lot more to learn this going forward on how we can take these lessons we've learned and use them in a positive way. Where does that early aging issues? When do you? When does it? Does it? Is there a point when it starts to escalate, or is it? Does it? Is it just a slow? Is it? Is it moving slower, and you just don't notice it until they're older? I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Hmm. Uh, I think it's probably uh, early on, but you know, at least in our, you know, this is just very rough. Um, this is not scientific. You know, this is just sort of. A description of observation, you know, particularly before 35 or 40, many people with Down syndrome uh, in some ways actually seem uh, to look younger than their chronological age. Yeah. Um, but as people get older, 35 and 40, the aging process does seem to, at least to the eye and to, yes. the, to the associated health issues, does seem to accelerate. Mm -hmm. I did see that. So when it comes to your clinic, Adult Down Syndrome Clinic, and so are there a lot of other similar uh, clinics and centers around the country yeah. to yours, or would you say yours is more unique in the resources that you provide for individuals? Uh, that is a wonderful question. It so is. let me, let me try to tackle all that. There's a lot of pieces to that question. So first off, um, you know, I, I think that there are not a lot of clinics for adults with Down syndrome. When we started in 92, you know, there's a lot of excitement. This is great. You know, soon we'll have a clinic clinic like this in every state of the union and you know, there's six or eight at this point. So at, at this rate, um, you know, by the year 2300 or something, we should have one in every state of the union. Um, yeah. uh, I, you know, I think certainly one of the issues is is the cost. Uh, there's no question. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, as, as I mentioned, we are um, 
significantly benefit, you know, need philanthropic, philanthropic support. And certainly the Masalam's gift is, is a huge, huge uh, uh, a gift, literally a gift for us. Um, you know, so, so that's, you know, that, that, that's uh, so beneficial. It, a study just in the last year or so estimated that about 5% of people with Down syndrome across the United States have access to a clinic uh, or, oh, or are able to geez. get care at a clinic. So it's for people with Down syndrome. So it's a, it's a pretty tiny percentage. Wow. Um, and, and that really does, and, and that's really, you know, where, where Mike and I, you know, we interacted certainly, as he had mentioned, with um, his brother George. Uh, uh, but that's where, where Mike and I really intersected. Um, in his, so how do, you know, we didn't have that, those numbers, but the sense was, uh, how do we get uh, people with Down syndrome who don't have access to a clinic the same level of care? And 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 I do come with it with a little bit of unique perspective, I think, than than you know most of the other folks running clinics is that I did practice in a small town. Uh, I was a family physician, in, not a small town, but a smaller town. We love Freeport. Uh, Freeport. We love Fre- yeah. the Freeport pretzels. pretzels. Yeah. We love Freeport, Freeport pretzels. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's for those of you that don't know. That's the high school. Uh, yep. Yeah. Mascot of <laughs> nickname, and that's because there used to be pretzel factories. In mm-hmm. but that's that was long ago. Um, and so when I practiced in Freeport, um, you know, 35 years ago, um, you know, I did have people with Down syndrome in the practice and, and there were problems. I really had no idea what I was doing. And, and so, you know, I, I and people get tired of hearing me say this, but, you know, 35 years ago, I was that I was that position in a smaller mm. community uh, with no information on how to care for adults with Down syndrome. Yeah. And so as we've learned more uh, and this is really where Mike and I uh, and Linda, uh, we intersected uh, with, you know, moving in the in the same direction, and, and it's kind of gone a lot of different directions over time. But I, I, think, I think we're moving very forward quickly now. Um, so how how do you how do you serve that other ninety five percent? And I think telehealth has opened up some of that, um, although there are cross state licensing issues that are going to mm-hmm. make that challenging uh, going forward. But um, but the other way is how do you get information to the hands of the local providers? Um, I'm kind of a, uh, as a primary care physician, I, you know, local care is better care if at all possible, uh, you know, to have people travel hundreds of miles to get care is always, uh, you know, adds new wrinkles to it and mm-hmm. expense and everything else. Um, so if you can give people, get people that care locally. So how do we support those individuals with Down syndrome? How do we support those families and how do we support the providers who are giving that? And so those, those are the things we're really looking at right now. Um, certainly our resource library is divided into those three audiences. Um, you know, trying to provide information for people with Down syndrome, their, you know, f- families or caregivers, and then also providers. But then some of the other things we're working on with um, uh, the Down syndrome medical interest group and others uh, to really look at how can we uh, develop systems that really provide uh, information to providers so that they can provide that same care in, in their local community. And, and those are some of the things we're working on with them. Um, so we're developing a, a series of uh, uh Teleconference or not um, webinars uh, for uh, providers um, through the Down syndrome medical interest group. Again, you know, with the philanthropy of Mike and Linda has, has given the opportunity to participate in. And then we're also looking at um, some other things, um, including something that's called Project Echo, which is a is something that supports uh, um, providers. It doesn't have to be just you know not just physicians, but all sorts of you know OT, PT, and everything else. Uh, supports them in the care of their individual uh, the people that they're serving. So we're looking at a number of ways that we can get that information. So as Mike mentioned, and, and as would be evident by the fact that there's still only a handful of clinics, um, you know, that's a very expensive 
way to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately having a clinic in every state would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in the meantime, you know, I, I don't anticipate that I'll still be here in 2300. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think we need to see how we can support these individuals with other means. And, and certainly, you know, the, with the, the Internet, uh, just as open doors, that, you know, were never open before. Yeah. Be, get creative yeah exactly <laughs> getting access to those online libraries and things like that but then at the same time also even if they can like during covid when you were able to do those virtual visits and things like that i mean that even opens the doors too so were you seeing patients um were you also seeing patients obviously safely but you had patients during covid right when i mean there was other things going on in the world so you probably still had to practice yeah we had not only you know you know probably the other unique very unique aspect of our clinic. I'm not sure any other clinic does it. Is we we do our, our own inpatient care as well. Right. Um, so we um, uh, during COVID, it, it, a lot of details I don't need, but you know, they, they to, to save PPE, they shifted the, the inpatient care to, to the hospitalists. Um, but we we stayed involved. We, I wow. still went into the hospital and, and, and supported the care of our patients because of their, their unique needs. So awesome. we're certainly doing inpatient care, but we continue to see the people we needed to see in the office. We did, you know, certainly at the beginning, we did a lot more telehealth. Sure. And then, and then, you know, it became a hybrid of a little bit of, a little bit of both as time went on. And, and now certainly it's the majority of it is, uh, we still do some telehealth, but the majority is back in, in the office. You know, I, th I think, you know, when, when we were talking to Mike and Linda, um, you know, they, they mentioned um, a gratitude. And, and I think that's, you know, really has been a huge piece of the, my own personal philosophy, but the philosophy of the clinic, yeah. um, you know, we families and people down to them were really a gift to us. And, and all that they taught us was a gift to us. And then, and then, uh, you know, then we really then see it as a sense of responsibility to, to give it back and pay it forward. And, and, um, awesome. and so that's really, you know, so much what, what we're trying to do with this and, and with there being such a, you know, um, a small percentage of people that do have access to a clinic. I think the, you know, the opportunity to, to get information to the hands of that other, I'll say the 95%, I don't know, but, you know, that number yeah. may be changing all the time, but, you know, I think whatever the number is, I, I think it's, it's, it's huge. And, and so, so it's not only the patient care, but it's, it's the, you know, sharing information and then, and then doing research to, to improve the information that we have um, to share. And, and there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good, good things and, and, it is so amazing to be able to, uh, in, in the last few years, to really be able to collaborate with them is just, yeah. um, and, and have and have input. You know, I, I think we have the unique, uh, in, you know, perspective of having just such a large volume of patients that we serve in, in a in a large breadth of you know different places: the hospital, nursing homes, home visits, the office, of course. Um, and so, uh, you know, so we don't come from a you know I personally don't come from a research expertise but certainly a research and understanding the oh. importance of research and, and the need for that. Um, but certainly the, the expertise of research here at Advocate Aurora, and then of course the expertise across the country. And, and, uh, and so I, I just think that this is um, just an amazing time in, in, the, in the Down syndrome. It really continuum. is. It'll be exciting yes, it to see where we can go. So now I think it's, we should bring in Mike and Linda Musalam. So they are huge supporters of the Adult Down Syndrome Clinic. They were actually on our podcast, our sibling podcast, and let's talk about what they've done for the center. Hey, welcome. Nice to see you, too. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Gigi. Hi. So first of all, I want to just thank Mike and Linda uh, 
Asylum for all they've done for the clinic. They are very long-term supporters of the clinic, and it's it's not only certainly the financial support, but just, you know just the recognizing and fostering uh, the uniqueness of the center and 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 sharing that with others and and, and all that means to us. Um, you know, it uh, the center is uh, dependent on philanthropy, uh, honestly, and and certainly their their generosity really helps helps the place go. And um, it really does help us not only to continue, but to expand our mission, uh, not only of uh, patient care, uh, which is, you know, obviously the, the bread and butter of the place, but also education and research. Um, and, and, you know, really the, the clinic was set up on the, you know, on the, in the philosophy of really the, the total person, you know, mental health, physical health, social health, um, and, and the, the person's uh, participation in their own health care. Is such an important piece, mm-hmm. and and so uh, philanthropy has really helped us to develop um, not only the healthcare that we serve, uh, provide for the people that we serve in the clinic, but also develop uh, some real uh, educational uh, mater- inf- information and set up a, a resource li- online resource library, which is um, uh, we have lots and lots of information for, uh, and, as well as develop some programs that we're starting in in. Uh, uh, give us time to do some collaborative work with uh, organizations like the Down Syndrome Medical Interest Group and and the uh, National Task Group on Intellectual Disabilities and Dementia uh, to develop mm-hmm. some materials and develop some uh, educational opportunities that uh, that we're undertaking right now. That's and then nice. lastly, um, you know, I think that the, the, the clinic really, when we started the clinic in, in 1992, there was really so little information about caring for people with Down syndrome, uh, as certainly adults. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've, we've learned a lot over time, but the, the, the research piece of, of what we're doing and what Mike and Linda have allowed us to, you know, given us the time to do is so important to, to going forward to uh, improving what, what, we, what we do, not only in the office, but what we know in general about people with Down syndrome and how we can help keep them healthier. And, and again, I keep coming back to it and encourage and help them participate in their own health promotion, which is such a huge piece of what we're, what we're about. Yeah, and for you, Mike, how, how did that feel for you having that place to go with your brother? Yeah, so let, we'll go back in time. Uh, <laughs> Linda and I were living in Illinois. This is in the '90s, and uh, Linda, being the good detective in our household, uh, <laughs> found out that there was this team uh, that was would exclusively treat uh, Down syndrome adults, and uh, that sounded pretty remarkable. And so I brought my brother, George, and it became a regular thing. And we were astounded with the quality of care, uh, how sensitive, how thoughtful, how tuned in uh, that whole clinic was Mm -hmm. to my brother. Um, And we got better health care for him at that point than we had ever experienced. And uh, it became kind of a fun thing for me personally to come along. Uh, and Linda and I would be with my brother George often when we visited and it, it felt like part of the family over time. And it allowed us to develop a re- relationship with Dr. Shacoin and the rest of the team, which was a remarkable team. And and as he said, uh, they, they really think about the whole patient and uh, not only their physical health, but their mental health and everything that goes along with having a happy adulthood. Uh, 
I agree. I love the the whole person philosophy because I think that's the most important thing. And and this isn't up to mom and dad or a brother to make sure that they take care of themselves. They need to own that and take on that responsibility. And I think that's something really important that we need to foster in our kids. A lot of times, you know, we tend to do things for them, make sure they're doing it the right way when they really need to own it. So I love that that's a big piece at the clinic. And, and one of the things that was special about uh, Dr. Shakoyan in the clinic is they thought beyond the boundaries of their clinic. Uh, obviously, they were able to touch so many hundreds, uh, really thousands of Down syndrome adults, but uh, they had higher aspirations than that. And they are author of textbooks on how to do it properly and got engaged with the medical community on how to expand. And this, and, and this is where our interests came together. Yeah. Um, when Linda and I thought about, boy, wouldn't it be great if every adult with Down syndrome could get that kind of quality care? Wouldn't that be special? And so it prompted many conversations with Dr. Shakoyan over the years on, okay, how do we bottle this? How do we, <laughs> how do we spread it around? Can we make this happen? Can there be more clinics like this? around the world and um, we've we've evolved our thinking over time but continue to be of one mind on you know how do we make this more reproducible so it can touch so many more adults that's so awesome so Brian do you remember the first time they came in yeah I could I could still I mean I don't know that it was the first time I remember that's a long time ago and <laughs> <laughs> I think our memory's still there but I'm not 100%. <laughs> But I, I can do, I can see, you know, it uh, It was in the uh, the previous building there on uh, Dempster Street. I remember uh, that one. Yeah, and uh, I, can, I can see Mike and George there. And, and uh, the, I think it was a, a woman that brought George from uh, his residential facility or where he was at the time. Yeah, I can, I can, I, I have very vivid memories of those, uh, those uh, encounters. Yeah, and it's funny because we, we did a, uh, episode on siblings and and the power of sibling, the strength of siblings, and what our what their sibling with Down syndrome gives to them, and how it continues that ripple effect on. So I just thought it was really cool what they've done for you and what they continue to do, and that they continue want to help others so far beyond their own brothers. Yeah, it's you know I I just had this conversation with a, a family yesterday. I was asking about the rest of the family and and one of the siblings is going into uh, special education. And I, I said, you know, I can't tell you how many times I family members have said they're special education or occupational therapy or physical therapy or, you know, whatever, um, to, to continue to be involved in the lives of people with uh, Down syndrome and other intellectual disabilities. It's it clearly, you know, it's a, it's a population that touches everyone uh, that comes in contact with them in such a powerful and meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. Cer cer certainly has me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mike and Linda, can you guys kind of touch a little bit on what you guys have given back to um, adult Down syndrome centers? And then I guess after um, Dr. Chikoyan, can then you touch on really the impact that they've made through the, gener the generosity that they've given toward, uh, toward your centers? Well, you know, I, I can get started. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, we had this idea of, boy, could you create more centers like that? And and, and frankly, it, it's not that scalable unless you're probably in a pretty large city like Chicago. And so we had many other ideas after that, uh, things about creating an app or creating websites and so forth. And many of those uh, we've had a chance to bring to life. 
but we also talked about the importance of research and capturing the incredible experience uh, that Dr. Shikoyan has had treating so many Down syndrome adults and saying, how do we tap into all that uh, know-how and all that experience to determine what would be best for the future. And so uh, there are several aspects that we try and support, but we're, we're kind of on a journey still at this point, still learning about how do we expand our impact, still building partnerships with people like Gigi's mm-hmm. uh, and, and others to say, okay, uh, how, how do we make sure that we can reach even more and deliver great health care to all Down syndrome adults? That's really amazing. It, and as you guys are we're talking about that, we are, um, and Brian, you and I have talked over the years, about, you know, I've said from the beginning, how do we bottle everything, all that data? I mean, like there's so much data that he has, but he's been so busy treating patients, there's no time to get it into all those journals and all those places. He's, he's just this wealth of information. We're actually launching our virtual playhouse, and this was our COVID silver lining. Um, that we had to build, you know, we're serving families in 71 countries. So we now have to have this virtual platform and and it's so sophisticated, so safe, so secure. If there was a way that you guys would want to put something on for the adult Down syndrome clinic and and use the platform because it's, it is being built so beautifully and so secure. Um, Brian, that would be, we could talk about that later, but I, as soon as you were saying yeah. that, that's what I was thinking about because it's, it's a big undertaking to get to all of these other people and and all not only in our own country but in other worlds who don't that you know and there's still ways we can help and serve them so that's something we can talk about offline but just as soon as you said that that like the light bulb went out in my head we've talked so many times about you know how how we could collaborate and what more we could be doing together brian so that might be one really um, great platform because we're building it it's already going to be there so once it's there safe and secure adding things are not won't be that difficult for us. Yeah, I would just add to, to what Mike said. You know, I think that you know, probably more than anything, what this has done for us is, is give us the legs to um, really develop relationships with other organizations and other other individuals. Um, you know, before you know, this became you know this this campaign and this uh, generous generous donation became uh, possible for us. Um, we were doing a lot of little little projects, and um, you know they were they had value, but sure, you know not not the not same the value. Impact, yeah. And, and since then, you know, for example, you mentioned the data. Uh, we did have an article published this past year awesome. with over six thousand people with Down syndrome included in it, uh, in, in a study that was done um, not only with Advocate and Aurora but with the University of Chicago. So awesome. the opportunity to develop some of these relationships um, has been. Um, you know, really, has, you know, this has given us the time and the, and the structure, if you will, to, to do that. And, yep. and some of the other educational things we're doing with the Down Center Medical Interest Group and with uh, other organizations, again, um, you know, are, are going to be so much better than we could do ourselves. Um, but we do now have the time and the, and the uh, resources to, to interact with these folks. And, and so but the product, if you will is going to be so much better than than it would have been that's great uh, if we were still just trying to do it ourselves oh i love hearing that because you know i've been a big fan 
from day one. I mean, from the time Gigi was little, I was questioning you when she was only a year old. <laughs> I'd see you at events and stuff. <laughs> I would be trapping you. And I always had questions because you are like our mentor. You know, you have been there for all of us families since our, our babies were born. And now Gigi's old enough to go to the adult Down syndrome clinic, which is amazing to me. And, and I'm so behind on the world. She doesn't even, I'm lucky if I get a physical in for the girls. Thank God she's been so healthy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she was so sick in the beginning and has been so healthy, but we need to get over there and get her to the clinic because, again, I know that you you have been this leader. You are a mentor here and all around the world. I mean, people are reading your books. People are watching you go speak. You've spoken many. I mean, I remember you, um, our GD's Playhouse El Paso did a medical symposium that you spoke yep. at. You know, yeah. and all over, I've seen you speaking everywhere. And to know that you're our resource right here and that now that they're going to help give you a platform to spread that knowledge everywhere is is just such a gift. And, and I appreciate what you said when you said, you know, they've allowed you a big gift to get things done. Not, you know, like you said, you have a lot of small initiatives where people do a little bit, but sometimes to get that little bit of funding, you have to work just as hard and it takes away from the, the gift of what you could really give in research and data and time. So I really appreciate that when you said that because it's so true. And, and to Linda and Mike, thank you so much for recognizing that need. Um, you're going to help so many more people. So thank you guys so much. That's awesome. And thank you well, for being on. Was, and thanks for inviting us on this session. Uh, Dr. Shikoyan is important to us, and we know the best is yet to come. And very best to you, Nancy and Franco, and uh, Gigi, especially you. It was Yay. fun to get to know you and spend some time. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks so much for being on, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Michael, Linda, great to see you guys. Be well. You know that this is called a little something extra, and all of us have that little something extra inside us that drives our passion, that drives our determination, that that helps us get get where we are in this world. What do you think is your little something extra? Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know it drives me that you know the, the gift of my faith and the gift of my family, uh, you know, and and the the gift of being able to be a, a physician and, and take care of people with Down syndrome. I can't, as much as I loved family medicine, I cannot imagine going back and doing that at this wow, point. That's um, awesome. You know, this is just so special. Um, and then, you know, the, the responsibility I, I see of being able to, to turn that around and share that with, with other people. Are you married and do you have kids? Yeah, I, I, I am married and, and, and we have uh, three lovely daughters. They're all, they're all oh. grown up. Nice. Uh, and none of them live at home anymore. Uh, and we have a delightful, not quite two-year-old grandson. Oh, who lives awesome. Out, who lives outside of Nashville. Do you always want to be a doctor? You know, uh, no. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> I didn't like the sight of blood, frankly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is crazy. Um, but uh, I attribute it to my uh, high school chemistry teacher, who was just a delightful uh, he was a Catholic priest, a delightful man. He, uh, he, uh, I, I said, I'm going to be a lawyer. And he, he said, it's just no slight on lawyers. He said, you know, you're too, too good in chemistry to, in science to, to be a lawyer. You ought to be a physician. And uh, I had never really given it much thought because I didn't like blood. <laughs> no way. That is crazy. So gave it another thought and, and, uh, it just it just became wow that's awesome actually i i really wanted to be a major league baseball player but, <laughs> well, of course. but that didn't happen when, when your skills peak in the eighth grade you know that's not gonna happen so <laughs> i feel you there that's for sure <laughs>
<laughs> no, no eye hand coordinations. <laughs> what inspires you most? What inspires me the most? Oh, um, that is a tough one. So many things inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I, I, I think uh, my faith and, and people. Uh, I, I believe in the goodness of people, and I, and I really enjoy the uniqueness uh, of each individual. And, and I think, uh, you know, the gift that each individual brings to the, the table, if you will, brings to the world, I, I think is so important to me. And, and that um, includes folks that perhaps uh, um, society doesn't always appreciate what they have to bring. If you had one message to the world, what will it be and why? Well, you can tell I'm kind of long-winded, so that uh, there could be lots of things. <laughs> but I'll try to narrow it down to one for you, Gigi. Um, I think I would focus on what the topic we're obviously of the day here. Uh, I, I would just say that uh, um, take the time to appreciate the uniqueness of uh, people with Down syndrome and, and what they bring to us and what the, the, the gift they are to us. And... Um, uh, and uh, like me, you will be better for it. Wow. That was awesome. That was, got yep. the mic. I couldn't there agree more. There you go, brother. I love it. Oh, my gosh, Brian. I, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. And we need to do it more. And we need to see how, however we can help you and, and whatever information we can get from you for our people. We just need to all work together in this. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And I feel so blessed from the time Gigi was born. You have been there for me. You've been there for the entire Down syndrome community. So thank you so much for what you do and, and shedding such mm-hmm. a positive, beautiful light on individuals with Down syndrome and for really giving their families the tools that they need to help them through with their health and becoming more independent, more healthy on their own. I love that you've, like you said, you kind of switched that philosophy to them owning it themselves, which I love when they can. I think that that's, that's a really big piece because that's just showing your belief in them that they can do it. And, you know, they're going to want to make you proud and they're going to do it. So I think it's awesome. You are just so amazing. You're such a gift from God. We're so grateful to have you. Thank you, Brian, so much. We know you got patience to see, people to heal, and love to give. So we will see you soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Be well. That was so awesome. Oh, you know what I forgot to ask Brian for? What? Some healthy tips. Okay, wait. Do they say tips? I did say tips. Tips! Woo! These are my tips on being healthy. Make sure to move your body and be active every day. Do a workout that makes you happy. Eating healthy foods giving you energy makes you strong. Find the diet that is best for for your body. Drink lots of water, it's good for you. And don't forget to get good sleep. Well, I can certainly use some Mm -hmm. more water right now, right? Right. Instead, we're drinking our Aspire. But we will hydrate. Right. And then we will work out. No. Come on. No. Well, you worked out yesterday. You don't have to do it every single day. But all those healthy tips you gave? You do it on Saturday. On Saturday? Okay. All those healthy tips you gave Mm -hmm. is what allowed her... And what allows her to keep going strong and growing every day and losing the weight that you lost and just staying healthy every single day, right? Right. And what are you doing with all those tips? Hmm, where can people find all your tips? Go to my Instagram. Oh, 
Oh, go to my Instagram. Instagram. Ooh, what's your Instagram? The DG Way. The GG Way. You heard it here first. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right. Well, remember, guys, it's Down Syndrome Acceptance Month. This month, more than ever, we need to be Generation G. Be generous. Be accepting. And be kind, baby. And remember, go to IAcceptYou.org and take that pledge. All right. Love you all. We will see you next time. Bye. Boom.